You are listening to the podcast of Calvary Church in Irwin, Pennsylvania. For more information, you can visit us online at calvaryirwin.com. Welcome. Uh, you know, what a fun video. I, I loved how uh, close they would get and then uh, try to get away from it. You know, one of the things I've learned having four kids is this important lesson that honestly has helped me parent better and understand others better. And it's this. It, it's really true for, for kids, for adults, whether you're young or old, rich or poor, whether you're an American, a European, African. Uh, it's this. We naturally push back against rules. Like if, if you say don't do something, you naturally want to do what you were just told not to do. Uh, how, how do I know this? Take, take any kid in a room like you see in that video, <clears throat> tell them not to do th- something, walk out of the room. Within a few minutes, what you told them not to do, which they probably weren't even thinking of, not, of even doing, now they want to do it. Uh, whether it's eating a marshmallow or anything. Uh, and and, and, uh, and what, what happens is uh, we have this tendency as human beings part of our human nature, to push back against restrictions, rules, guidelines, whatever is put in front of us. It's human nature. How does this play out for adults? Well, just look at the last few years. It doesn't play out well. It seems like everyone hates everybody else today because of what they are doing or are not doing. Regardless of the camp, Regardless of the, your stance or side of the aisle you find yourself on, everyone is categorizing people based almost entirely on their actions. Why is that? Because we've adopted this belief that you are what you do. So whatever you do defines who you are. In other words, if you teach, everything who you are and everything encompassed in that is built around teaching, or, or if, if you work out, your identity is wrapped up in being in good shape, or, or if you wear a mask or you don't wear a mask, your identity is wrapped up in whatever wearing a mask or not wearing a mask is supposed to mean. We have fallen into a dangerous trap in our society where our identity and self-image have become interconnected with our actions. The, the truth is, though, we are human beings, we are not human doings. When we step back and look at our lives from a broader view, uh, because of this skewed definition of ourselves, the assumption is that the legacy we leave, the mark we make on this world, is really determined by the things we do or do not do with our lives. Now, I share this because I want to propose a little bit of a different thought on this. It's this. What if your life, what if your legacy, the worth you bring to this world, isn't determined by what you do or do not do. I know it kind of sounds crazy, but what if being obsessed with our actions is like determining the worth and value of a forest by staring at a single tree? You see, the legacy you leave, the value of your life, isn't based on what you do or don't do in a moment. It's actually based on who you are because who you are determines the trajectory of your actions and of your life. For example, just because you give $5 away doesn't make you a generous person. Just because you eat salad for a meal doesn't make you healthy. You might down like a massive burger right after that, right? Um, ju- just, because, ju- just because you wreck a car doesn't necessarily make you reckless. Now, now does, it, does who you are affect what you do? Most definitely. 
but focusing on what we do can cause us to miss the importance, ultimately, of developing who we are. And this has become the undoing of our world. This month, we're going through this series that we've entitled Writing History. And, and we've been walking through the minor prophets, which are located in the first part of the Bible known as the Old Testament. But one of these minor prophets that, that's so pivotal is the book of Micah that we're going to look at today. Uh, Micah arrived on the scene just after uh, prophets Hosea and Amos and just before prophet Isaiah. And in the book of Micah, God shares of this potential judgment uh, that was coming on God's people. And, uh, and he shares of the hope of what he hopes will be uh, desires for them. Uh, and this is, this is such a, an incredible, rich book. It's not a real long one. That's why it's a minor prophet. Uh, but in Micah chapter 6, uh, the chapter opens with God approaching Israel almost as if they were in a courtroom. God begins to build this case against Israel. He starts by outlining the primary moments where God redeemed them, where, where God uh, numerous times would deliver them or spare them or protect them. Uh, and and then, then those verses are followed with Micah, uh, really following the evidence of what God provided with questions where he asks God, 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 what kind of response do you want us to bring. In, in light of what you've shared with us, what are we supposed to do? What, do you, what do you want us to do? And here's what it says in Micah chapter 6, verse 6. These were Micah's words. He said, what, with what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Uh, and, and, and as Micah walks through this, he's walking through a sacrificial system and he's kind of getting bigger and bigger and bigger. So he says, should I come with burnt offerings with calves a year old? Then verse 7, will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams and 10,000 rivers of olive oil? Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He's walking through this sacrificial system uh, that, that Jews were very familiar with uh, that was instituted thousands of years earlier by God himself and is recorded in the book of Leviticus. He was really asking, God, what do you want us to do to make right the, right, right the wrong things we have done? So he's saying, God, what is it? Tell us. What do you want us to do to make things right? We have wronged you. Clearly, we've walked away from you. What is it you want us to do? And after asking these questions, this righteous man, Micah, a prophet of God, he, uh, who's genuinely wanting to, to, to make things right, he turns his attention from speaking to God to speaking to God's people. And, and, and as he asks these questions and kind of turns his attention, it's almost like he was asking the questions really just to make a point. And uh, here's, here's the point he gets to in verse 8, ver, Micah 6, 8. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. So he's speaking to the people, not to God here. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? Like, what, what is God really asking you to do? This is it. To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. That's it. He's not asking for all the sacrifices and all the stuff. He's asking for that. I love this verse because Micah is making a pretty profound statement. He's, he's essentially saying this, that our legacy is, is defined by who we are, not who, what we do. Like, we, we get the thought that, man, Everything I do makes this legacy or, or, or my definition of who I am or my value, my worth. But, but, but Mike is trying to say, no, no, it's actually who you are, not what you do. Uh, look at the second verse, the half, second half of, of verse 8 here. He gives three steps that God asks of his people. 
And here's what, they say, what it says. It says, act justly, to act justly. And he goes on, to love mercy. And finally, to walk humbly with your God. And, and how these work really in reverse order. Meaning, as you walk humbly, you will love mercy. And as you love mercy, you will act justly. You see, it's the state of being that leads to the expression of loving. And it's a state of loving that leads to the expression and the action of doing. Using this analogy that we've been carrying throughout this series of writing history, you know, we can easily become obsessed with the words and the paragraphs of our story. But God is challenging us to step back and to look at the actual book we are writing. I know it's really hard day to day and week to week to get, to, to get step back and not get wrapped up in, in the words and the paragraphs we're writing. Like, this was a good day or a bad day. This was a good week or a bad week. But step back. What's the bigger picture, the book you're actually writing? There are a lot of people in the world that are doing good things but are not good people. In, in other words, people try to make up for the wrong in their lives, the mistakes of their past, by doing good things. And they're working with this premise that if, if, if they are defined by what they do, then, then really they just need to do more good things to offset all of the bad things they've done. So they work really hard to do all the right things and good things, hoping that somehow that will uh, offset, compensate, or, or, or in some ways account for all the bad things or the wrong things they do. And maybe it's even a week-to-week thing, like, hey, I go to church on Sunday, so that gives me a little leeway throughout the rest of the week. I can live like hell and worship like heaven on Sunday, right? And, and our thought is, well, it balances it out. It's like a yin and a yang. Uh, if I can just do this, and, and, and that's, that's our human being nature, because we have accepted this definition that I am what I do. But that's not how this all works. You see, the legacy you leave with your kids, your grandkids, those that fall, come behind you, the trail you leave uh, in your life is defined more by who you are than what you do. Uh, the fond memories you have of your grandparents, your parents, loved ones that have passed away, isn't based solely on a moment and something they did. It's ultimately based on who they were. And, and at funerals of those loved ones, the things that you share as you eulogize them usually aren't the things they've done but rather you're speaking of who they were, of who they are, of, of, of what they embodied. You know, Micah here is challenging God's people with this very idea. It's an interesting statement, which is that God isn't so concerned with their religious practice. He's actually concerned at the place of their heart. And it sounds weird because God instituted all of this. In fact, it's, it's a statement that kind of runs parallel with something that one of Micah's contemporaries, Isaiah, would write, would record. In Isaiah chapter 1, verse 11, here's what it said. Uh, God was uh, saying this. These are God's words that uh, Isaiah is recording. In verse 11, he says, The multitude of your sacrifices, what are they to me, says the Lord? I have more than enough I have more than enough of burnt offerings, of rams and the fat of fattened animals. I have no pleasure in the blood of bulls and lambs and goats. In verse 13, stop bringing meaningless offerings. Your incense is detestable to me. New moons, Sabbaths, and convocations. I cannot bear your worthless assemblies, your new moon feasts, 
and your appointed festivals. I hate with all my being. They have become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. Now, this is a really puzzling statement because God asked them to do all of these things. All of the offerings, the burnt offerings and the sacrifices and and all that stuff and the festivals and and new moons. Like God told them to celebrate these things. It wasn't like they were disobeying God by doing those things and God's now saying, I'm tired of it all. Stop it. It's like coming to church and raising your hands and singing the songs. God's like, stop, 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 stop. Would you just stop doing that stuff because I'm tired of it. And it seems kind of puzzling. Uh, But it's the same point Micah is making here. It's not about what you do that matters. It's who you are because our legacy is defined by who you are, who we are, not what we do. And maybe you've been working really hard to compensate for your past. You've been coming to church to make up for all the wrong you've done. you've, You've been trying to do good things for others to make up for the mistakes of your past, your childhood, your teenage years. And if that's you, I appreciate your intention, and when your intention, and I know is good, but can I share uh, uh, maybe a little bit of a shift in perspective? God explains that shift a few verses later in Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18. He says this, come now, let us sat- settle the matter, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. He didn't say that was because of something they had done. You see, Jesus came to this earth 2,000 years ago, and he did for you and me what we could never do for ourselves. He paid the price for our wrong, or what the Bible calls our sin. He has already compensated for your mistakes. He, He has already accounted for your wrong. He did this so you don't have to be obsessed with what you do, but can actually focus on who you are. Developing who you are. Does that mean that we should just do whatever we want? No, because what you do should flow out of who you are. And if you've committed your life to Jesus, this Jesus way of life, this is who you are. You are a child of God. You are blessed. You are forgiven. You are loved. You walk with heavenly authority. You are more than a conqueror. You are not a victim. You are a victor. You are not defined by what others say or what you have done. You are defined by the one who paid the ultimate price on the cross for you. And I urge you today to stop asking, what should I do? But rather, who can I be? then you can live your life based on the definition of who you are, not simply in what you do. When we write the story of our lives based simply on what we do, we end up trying to fill an unquenchable appetite. The desire to do enough good to outweigh the bad will never quench that appetite. We can never do enough good to outweigh the bad we've done. Never. We're, not, we're gonna run out of stuff to do. You're like, we're not that horrible of people. We are. We're all broken, fallen people. We will never outweigh the other. We, we, we try to do this to, to make us feel good about ourselves, ultimately. It's, it, and the intention is good. But ultimately, resting in who we are in Christ allows us to stop striving for something that's really unachievable, rather living out of what was already achieved for us. And as the worship team comes today, You know, as I mentioned earlier, today is our Calvary Cares Commitment Sunday. What that means is we have this incredible opportunity 
to partner with some amazing organizations and people all over the world to affect entire generations, destinies of women caught in sex trafficking to be rescued from that, <laughs> to, to, to help equip people showing the love and grace of Jesus to those in need right uh, in the Middle East, to, to, to right here in our backyard to help provide resources for the homeless in the city of Pittsburgh. We have this incredible opportunity. We have the chance to do a lot of good together as we make these commitments today, like a lot of good. But if we're not careful, we will commit to give to Calvary Cares with this mindset that our giving for good offsets the wrong or the bad we have done. And and hear me on this today. I'm not asking you to give anything to our Calvary Cares campaign. I know that seems like a contradiction on on this specific Sunday, but I'm not. I'm not asking you to do something, I'm asking you to be something. I'm asking you ultimately to be a generous person. So so I'm not asking you to pray and ask yourself like, what should I give or my family give or commit to this? But rather, what does it look like for a generous person to use what you've been given? So doing something, giving something might, might like in a moment make you feel better. But I'm not talking about feelings, I'm not trying to compensate or offset your, your bad feelings. I'm saying at your core, what does it mean to be a generous person? I love this quote by by Leonard Sweet. He said this, what you do is your history. What you set in motion is your legacy. What you do is your history. What you set in motion is your legacy. I love the idea of setting things in motion because we lose control of it. 50 years ago, Pastor Hart and 75 people set something in motion that some of us weren't even born yet, that we are now part of. Something was set in motion that has now affected our lives, affected thousands of others, will affect thousands of people all over the world this year through a Calvary Cares campaign. Why? Because something was set in motion. Our legacy is what we set in motion. And my hope for us today, my hope for this year, for your life and my life and us collectively as a church, let's write a legacy. I wanna be, be someone that sets things in motion, that isn't obsessed with what I'm doing, but is focused on what I'm being. And, and, and maybe you're here today and, and you've been so focused on trying to offset and compensate for the things you have done wrong. And, and, and you might even believe the lie that like God could never forgive me because of the wrong I've done. I've, I've screwed up too many times. I've made too many mistakes. I've, I've, I've run the race in the wrong direction and, and, and messed myself up and messed my life up, messed my family up, messed everyone up around me. Like I've screwed up in ways that could never, ever, ever be fixed. And to some extent, you might be right. But I don't want you to leave this place without hearing this, that God has done for you what you could never do for yourself. Because of that, it's not about what you do. It's about who you are. Paul writes to the Corinthian church that when you accept Christ into your life, meaning you accept his way of life, his forgiveness, you you welcome his redemptive work in your heart, in your life, in your thoughts, in every part of your life. When you're willing to, to invite that into your life, Paul writes this in 2 Corinthians that you are a new creation in Christ Jesus. The old is gone, the new has come. How is that possible? Because who you are has changed, not just what you do. Who you are has changed. 
And, and before we move on today, I wanna to give an opportunity for you to say, today, I wanna to change who I am, not just what I do. That I am no longer fill in the blank, whatever title, whatever label you've been given. No, I am a child of God. And I'm going to live my life based on that perspective of who I am, not what the world or others around me have said. Would you bow your heads as we pray today, Lord? Today I know that you are a good God that loves each and every one of us. Lord, those watching online, those in the warming shelter, those here at, at, at Calvary, Lord, you love us right where we are. And God, I pray today that you would speak to people. Holy Spirit, stir in them. Well, those who are trying to offset and compensate for the wrong they've done, let today be a day that they surrender to you. They take that step to, to invite your redemptive work in their lives, to commit to live that Jesus way of life. Change us, transform us, not just in what we do, but who we are. As you're continuing to pray this morning, if you're here, maybe you're watching online or at the warming shelter and you'd say, I've never taken this step to invite Jesus into my life. Meaning, not that I become a religious person, but meaning that I accept the fact that he has forgiven me the wrong I have done. I am inviting his redemptive work in my heart and my life. And I'm committing to live my life in a way that honors him, what scripture leads and guides and teaches. If you've never taken that step, I don't want to move past this moment without giving you that opportunity to say, today, today, I want to commit to follow Christ, to invite his forgiveness to my past, the mistakes. I'm going to stop trying to offset, to compensate, to make up for the wrong. I'm going to start being who God made me to be, walking in his grace, his mercy, and his power to become the man or woman of God I was created and designed to be. If that's you this morning, in a moment, I'm going to count to three. Wherever you're at, I'm gonna ask you to reach your hand toward heaven. That's not some spiritual thing. It's an act of your will to say, you know what, God, between you and me, today, I'm making that step. I'm making that commitment. I'm gonna start. Today is a new day. My legacy, my destiny is gonna be different starting in this moment. That's you. One, two, three. Would you reach your hand toward heaven this morning? Amen, amen. Anybody else today? Amen, amen. You can put your hands down. I'm gonna ask everyone to pray this prayer with me. Whether you're watching online, the warming shelter, you're here in person, we're gonna pray a prayer together, all of us. And this isn't some magic prayer, like, uh, you know, thing that we're doing. This is just a conversation with God that I wanna lead you in. And my hope is that as I lead you in this conversation, I can kind of get you started. And this is the first of many conversations you have with God. As you share, ultimately what's on your heart, good, bad, ugly, you talk to him. That's all a conversation is. And you develop that relationship with God and what he is doing. You listen for his voice and promptings and you uh, obey what he speaks to you and what God's word speaks to you. Would you pray this prayer with me, everyone together, wherever you're at? Dear God, thank you for loving me just as I am. Forgive me for the wrong I've done, for trying to make up for it on my own. Today, I invite your forgiveness, your redemptive work in my life, in my heart. Change me from the inside, not just what I do, but who I am. Give me the strength and the courage to follow you all the days of my life and to show your love to the world around me. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. If you prayed that prayer, 
If you're here in person, I'd encourage you to stop by the Connection Center. We have uh, some resources to not just let that be a decision you make in a moment, but to be a journey you take. I'm gonna give you some resources. If you're not comfortable with that, or maybe you're watching online, if you go to connect.calvaryirwin.com, there's a button there, I'm committing to follow Jesus. You can click that and fill that out and we'll get it to you digitally. Um, Whether it's in person or digital, we wanna get you resources. I believe nothing better, there's nothing better you can do than to invite the forgiveness of Jesus into your life and to commit to live for his purposes. That's where the, the creator and the creation come together. One of the expressions of that creator that we see in John chapter three, it says, for God so loved the world that he gave. And we have this opportunity today to give. And I don't wanna rush past this. Uh, This is so important. Uh, When you came in, you got a a commitment form. And and this commitment form isn't isn't just a, a piece of paper. This is, I believe, something incredibly spiritual that takes place as we uh, recognize the resources God has given us aren't just meant for us. We sang this earlier, Lord, you are worthy of it all. What an incredible song. Did you know he's worthy of it all? Like all of this, all these credit cards, all the money, like he's worthy of all of it. He's not just worthy of some of it, he's worthy of all of it. And he has given it to you graciously, not asking for all of it back. He's asking that you be generous with what he's given you. He's worthy of it all, he doesn't ask for it all. He says, now use it to be generous. Through our Calvary Cares campaign, we have an opportunity to do that to come alongside these projects you see in the brochure. Uh, uh, An an organization that is rescuing women from sex trafficking. Uh, 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 A ministry that is teaching people how how to learn English and in the process, in the Middle East, introducing them to Jesus and the hope of Jesus. Right here in our backyard, Pittsburgh Dream Center and, and helping equip them with tools and resources to care for the homeless in our own city. To, to, to be able to bless all these projects of the last 10 years with our legacy project. We have an opportunity to work together. These are things that we might not be able to do individually. Maybe we could, but we get to do them all collectively. What an incredible opportunity. And, and today, here's my, my challenge to you. If you've never given to the Calvary Cares campaign, I ask you, what's something that you could afford to give and then maybe push yourself a little bit? To stretch yourself to be generous. And if you have given to the Calvary Cares campaign, this is something my wife and I do every year. How can you increase it? So we every year take what we gave monthly last year and we just push it a step further. Why? Because I, I, don't, I don't want the stuff I own to ever own me. I wanna, I wanna die to that. Not that I'm going bankrupt or trying to, to you know, give everything away but I want to use what God has given me and be as generous as possible. And, and we're going to pray here in a moment over these, but I want you to take a moment today, maybe this week, but if you're here today, fill this out. You put your name, your address, phone number, email, that stuff allows us to follow up with you. And then you commit what you're going to give weekly or monthly or maybe just a one time. And at the end here, we're gonna have a box out in the foyer where you can give those back. And uh, you keep the yellow one, you turn in the white one. So there's two sheets, white and yellow. And if you're watching online and you're like, man, I wanna do this too, you can go to connect.calvaryirwin.com and there's a digital version of the same form, a button there that you can just click and fill it out digitally. 
why do we take time to do this? Like, why is this even that thing? Like, are we just all about money here at Calvary or anything? No. But we recognize God has given us money. And we should be generous with everything we're, we're given. Our time, our talent, and our treasure. As I mentioned, this isn't something we get anything out of. This is something we give. I can't wait to see what God's going to do. You're going to hear about this a lot over the year. We'll give updates throughout the year, uh, every few months of how these projects are going. We'll send you email updates of how things are not going to pester you. We just want you to be in the know so you know the, the good, the impact you're making as we're generous. Before we wrap up, I want to pray over these. So uh, if you filled yours out or, or if you're going to fill yours out later, if you can just hold this in your hand because I believe what God is going to set in motion here today is more than what he could do in this moment. But he's gonna maybe, maybe unlock something in your heart, what it means to be generous. Maybe he's gonna shock you a little bit and how far he can stretch you and how, how much he can do through you. We say this a lot at Calvary that we are blessed to be a blessing. God has blessed you, whether that's a little or a lot, so that you could ultimately be a blessing to others. You are simply the conduit you're not the center of the universe. Might be a shocker, hopefully it isn't. But you are the conduit that God uses to be a blessing to people. We have an opportunity to do that today. So let's, let's pray over these today. Lord, I thank you for the commitments that are being made today. God, I thank you, Holy Spirit, for what you're stirring in us. God, I pray that you would just prompt us, Lord, with the right number and amount. Lord, not to, to just do something, but to be generous people to not just accomplish some task or fulfill some obligation. But God, let us be generous people. Let this be part of that journey and process of growing and developing in our generosity. Lord, we're able to give, not to benefit uh, here or something that we benefit from, but to be able to bless others that we will not get any direct benefit from, but that would advance your kingdom, would show your love to those who are hurting and broken the most in our world. God, thank you for this privilege. The relationships you've given us, Lord, with these organizations and ministries that we can come alongside them and see their mission fulfilled. Bless this commitment. Lord, bless our campaign this year and the thousands of dollars we get to give away for your kingdom, for your glory. Lord, you ultimately are worthy of it all and we give back to you a portion of what you've blessed us with. In Jesus' name, amen. This is Pastor Nick Poole, the lead pastor at Calvary. We're so glad you joined us for today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed the message. At Calvary Church, we're passionate about leading people into an overflowing life with Jesus. We would love the opportunity to connect with you on your faith journey and hear what God is doing in your life or join you in prayer for any needs you might have. You can visit us online at calvaryirwin.com or send us an email at info at calvaryirwin.com. On our website, you'll find previous week's messages, a list of upcoming events, as well as resources designed to help you take those next steps on your journey of faith. See you next week, and may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. 